Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Great, thank you for, for reading for us there. And um, hey, everyone, it's great to be with you at Lady Barn this morning. Um, I want you to imagine your first day at school. So whether it's a, a secondary school, so when you uh, have just moved up to that school, or maybe uh, you moved house at some point and had to start a new school. And so you walk in, maybe you're in a classroom or a hall, and you instantly have a decision to make. It's an important decision uh, because you need to decide who you're going to sit with. There's various tables of different people gathered, maybe the odd face that you know, lots of faces that you don't know. And you need to choose, shall I sit at this table? Shall I sit at this table? Shall I sit at this table? Uh, And there isn't that much to go on. Maybe you're looking, seeing the way people are holding themselves, seeing uh, the volume levels, seeing uh, what, what fashions and trends they're dressed in, and you're making a choice where you're going to sit. It, it seems like quite a small choice to make, but it can be a lot bigger than you think, because when you're in that new school, the first people that you become friends with often are the friends that you keep throughout that next five years or so at school and maybe even further into life. These are the people who you will be close with, who you will get to know well, who you will laugh and joke with, who you will share the good times and the bad with. Actually, it's a really important decision to make because uh, the people who we spend time with have a big influence on the way we think. The people who we spend time with influence what we do they even influence who we become it's it's shaping it's formative you know uh, so many parents or, or grandparents are uh, one thing that they would fear for their children is that they fall in with a bad crowd because they know the power that influence can have in fact i've heard it said um that you are the average of the five people who you spend most time with Now, I think that's slight hyperbole, but you can see the point there. These people who have significant access to our life, uh, they they do form who we become. And and the psalm that we're looking at today starts by challenging us where we look for influence. And uh, and where we look for influence will then uh, have an effect on what we become and where we are led. You know, if you were to ask children today what they want to be when they grow up, the answers might not be the same as they were uh, when you or I were younger. When I was at school, everyone wanted to be a footballer or an astronaut or a firefighter, apart from one kid who wanted to be an accountant. Now, no offence to any accountants who are logging on, but uh, a seven-year-old wanting to be an accountant seems a little bit strange. But now, as well as those things, you do still get people who want to be footballers and astronauts and all of that, but quite a common thing that you hear kids say is that they want to be an influencer. An influencer is kind of the the trendy job of the age. If you don't know what one is, basically imagine someone who's got a big social media account and they spend all day uh, posting photos, videos, clips of themselves wearing different outfits that they've been paid to wear by fashion brands, sharing some bland cliches as though they're ancient wisdom and hoping everyone wants to be like them 
consumes their content, clicks on stuff, and drives up their advertising revenue. That's the job of an influencer. I can't for the life of me see why anyone would want such a job. But again, no offense if we've got any influencers watching this morning. Right at the heart of this psalm, though, is the question of who we will let be our influencer. Where will we look for influence? Which table will we choose to sit at? As we walk into life, imagine the same scenario as school. Imagine these two tables there, and we have to choose which one we will sit down at and who we will be influenced by. And the psalm gives us two very stark alternatives. Verse one describes the first of these. Now, and we're told you're blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in this way. So this is a table that you don't want to be at. It'd be better for you to avoid this table. And it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. In this verse, we've got three different modes of action. We've got walking, standing, and sitting. We've got three different levels of involvement. The, the counsel of the wicked, then the way of sinners, and then the seat of scoffers. And three different descriptions of those uh, influences, the wicked, sinners, and scoffers. So the first of these is um, the, that we shouldn't walk. So that's kind of go along with following a course of action. In the council, so this is taking the advice, taking the suggestions of the wicked. And uh, the root word there for wicked, it's about kind of a looseness and instability, and particularly uh, e either in terms of morality. So there's like an unstable, uh, loose, disconnected morality, uh, or, or in terms of view of God. Uh, and it's like you're not connected. You don't have that uh, deep sense of God in your life. And uh, the, the two obviously link together. Uh, as well. And we see it actually uh, illustrated at the start of, of the next psalm where it says, uh, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So it, it's this sense of uh, being opposed to God. Uh, and so we shouldn't be walking in the paths that come from the counsel of such people. It raises the question for us though, doesn't it? Uh, of what are the voices that we allow to shape the path that we take? You know, who do we read? What authors do we read multiple books from? What journalists do we uh, give a hearing to? What YouTubers, what podcasts do we listen to? What TV shows do we uh, hear regularly? Wh whose voice do we give credence to uh, and kind of absorb uh, in a way that we just kind of accept it all? We need to ask the question with, with this, well, where is this coming from? Well, what's the basis of these voices? How godly are the things that we are letting influence us? We need to be careful with this, according to the psalmist. The second one then, uh, nor stand. So it's not just kind of going along with now. This is really standing firm in it. This is owning it in the way so it's not just the council it's not like we're we're just listening to the ideas and thinking okay cool i'll go with that uh th this is kind of embodying the lifestyle now of sinners uh, and this word for sinners it's it's an archery term it's it's missing the target it's falling short so this um clause gets us into the idea of habit formation you see the things that you repeatedly do form the kind of person you become you know, if you like look at your life, if you uh, review what you're doing, 
do you see parts of your life where it's not just you make the odd blunder and slip up, but do you see areas where you're consistently, habitually walking in a path that is not God's path? Again, the psalmist would say, be careful, don't go that way. You're blessed when you don't do that. And then the third one is nor sit. So now it's not even standing, you're sitting down, you've made your home here in the seat so uh, again think about uh, maybe uh, when you were growing up did maybe one of your parents have their chair this is my chair I'm, I sit here well uh, it's like you're taking seat now uh, with scoffers uh, and scoffers um, the people I, I don't know you might have come across them who are always uh, looking to find a negative find a problem to cast aspersion uh, with stuff like super cynical I mean Britain can be quite a cynical country at times but um, uh, people who embody I'll give you an example from uh, just this last week you remember um, Marcus Rashford uh, footballer using his influence to, to raise awareness for, for kids who are going hungry over the summer, raised a ton of money, fed a load of families, uh, also uh, lobbied for the government to get involved, and they did. Uh, really good use of uh, influence uh, of this young man. And uh, most people would look at it and think, great, I'm glad he's done that. And yet you still see some people who are trying to find a way to, uh, to kind of negate it or say something bad or just uh, bring some cynicism to the table which is it's unnecessary but some people would just go there and want to do that and uh, so we shouldn't be sitting in that kind of place as uh, as people who want to uh, walk with god uh, we shouldn't be those scoffers um but there's a second table so that's the first table so blessed are you if you don't go here blessed are you if you do go here go and sit down at a different table and take your influence from somewhere else. Now you might expect, avoid those who give you a bad influence and find some people who are a positive influence. That, that wouldn't be bad advice, but that's not what it says. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. It's pointing us uh, for, for our positive influencer, it's the word of God. When it says the law of the Lord, that's kind of the word they would use for the Torah. Uh, the first five books of our Bible, Genesis to Deuteronomy, which is what God had revealed to Moses. That would have been what they had of scripture at the time. So it's saying don't look to these bad influences. Actually look to the word of God. That's where you should be taking your influence from. Let me just paint a picture of why that is so. Uh, it starts with the character of God because God doesn't lie. And God is never wrong. That means if God says something, we know that it is true. And all of the Bible is inspired. It's breathed out by God. The Bible is God's word to us. And we're told in 2 Timothy that all of scripture is God breathed. So every single chapter, every single verse, every single word is inspired by God. This is God's book of God's truth. The Bible is God's story. There are 66 books with their own authors and contexts, totaling about 40 authors in total, from fishermen to poets to tax collectors to kings, uh, written on three continents, written over 1,500 years. And yet it all comes together and weaves to tell one story. This is God's story. And the hero of that story is Jesus Christ. Old Testament, New Testament, all about him. So the Bible makes you wise for salvation 
And the Bible equips you for every good work. Uh, and there are different genres and we're to understand each bit according to the way it is written. Some bits are a narrative, some are poetry, some are proverbs, some are letters. Uh, there's all different kind of things in there. Uh, and each one we're, we're to take as true uh, within the context of the genre it's written. The Bible, the word of God, endures forever. You know, Voltaire, uh, an older French philosopher, he said, 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible in the earth except the one that is looked up by an antiquarian curiosity seeker. Uh, he preached the demise of the Bible, and yet he's dead in the ground. The Bible is still here. You know what? Actually, his house where he lived uh, turned into a HQ for a Bible society. Uh, incredible, isn't it? The Bible is an awesome book, and this is where we should be looking for our influence. And the psalmist points us to two things uh, to do with it. And it says his delight is in the way of the Lord. This idea of delight as, a, as an obsessive preoccupation. This idea of I can't keep away from it. I'm drawn to it. I love it. So it's not that, oh, I've got to read the Bible today. It's I get to read the Bible today. I wonder, does that characterize your attitude to the word? And if it doesn't, why don't you think about what would it take to cultivate that kind of delight? in God's word. As well as delighting in it, it says on his law he meditates day and night. So it's not just kind of reading it, like following a reading plan and then putting it to one side. It's letting it churn in your mind, thinking on it day and night. You know, I was in community group this, this week and somebody just started with a kind of opening question of like, tell us something new that you've learned this week. And, and one of the guys, he just piped up with, I learned about Hebrews. I learned what the context is. I learned what the purpose is. Let me tell you about it. And you could see there was just an excitement having learned something new about God's word. That's kind of what we're talking about here. So these two tables that you can go to give you a different influence. And depending where you go then, there'll be a different effect. So if you go to the second table, the word of God, and you're digging in there, that's where you're being influenced by. It says, blessed are you. Blessed is the one who will do this. This idea of blessed means a, a kind of comprehensive goodness, peace, joy in your life. In many dimensions, things are well for you. It evokes this kind of Old Testament idea of shalom, of peace, of wellness. And in verse three, it, it describes it more. It says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This idea of, uh, of a tree planted by streams of, of water is bringing to mind a picture uh, of the Garden of Eden. Uh, and we see this same theme kind of riffs through the Bible. It's there at the end of Revelation. It's there in Ezekiel's vision in, in other places as well and, uh, and when this picture is uh, is shared it's a picture that's um, evoking images of life of god's presence of, of blessing to you and then blessing going out from you and he said as you're delighting in god's word as your key influence you're entering into this picture this blessedness this presence of god this this life-giving idea and three elements of it are highlighted here first you'll be nourished just like the tree planted by streams of water, that water nourishes the tree. Do you know, you need to be spiritually nourished as well as physically 
nourished. You know, sometimes people talk of feeling uh, quite dry, uh, feeling like uh, somehow kind of things have just stalled a bit in their faith. And I do wonder when people say that, whether it might be a case of spiritual malnourishment. You know, if you haven't been uh, eating good food, if you haven't been uh, drinking enough water, if you haven't been physically nourishing yourself, then you'd expect uh, things to, to go a bit off kilter. Well, the same is true spiritually. The, the word of God, it, it is our nourishment. Uh, and there's an individual responsibility on this. I know that the preaching here at Lady Barn is good. But if, if you're just relying on once a week, getting a sermon from, from Mike or Sam or whoever it is, and, and then your community group Bible study, and that's all there is, then, then that won't be enough. We need to be each day on our own, digging in and feeding from the word of God. So we'll be nourished. It also says we will be fruitful. It says the, the tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. So uh, a tree, a healthy tree will produce fruit uh, and you will produce fruit in your walk with God. You'll be productive for God uh, in, in a few different ways. Fruitfulness in the Bible has different senses to it. So one will be growth in your character, growth in your godliness. You'll start to reflect the image of Christ in your life more than you did before. But also there's the use of your gifts, the things that God has given you to serve the church and to build the kingdom. You'll see these things being effective. You'll see them uh, used and, uh, and a fruitfulness there. And also evangelistically, bearing fruit means bringing others into the kingdom as well. The people around you in your world of influence, you'll be able to uh, have conversations where you can share the good news about Jesus and see more people brought into eternal life with him. So we'll be nourished, we'll be fruitful, and then we'll be sustained. It says the leaf doesn't wither. I wonder if you've ever seen people whose faith journey seems to wane. They seem to be on fire for God and then something happens maybe um kind of quickly but often gradually where it just seems kind of uh, to go off the boil a bit but you see others who are pushing on stronger and stronger uh, and more vibrant for god as the years go on i wonder what the difference between the two is and according to this it may well be that that they're delighting in the law of the lord they're meditating on it they're they're staying well connected into the scriptures so that's the effect, really, if we are taking our influence from God's word. But what if we choose the other option? What if our influence is coming from the counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, the seat of scoffers? Well, verse four says the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. It says this will not be so for you if you sit at the other table. This picture of Eden, this blessedness, this life-giving, God's presence, nourishing, fruitful sustained thing it won't be like that in fact you'll just be like chaff blown away it's like life gets away from you it blows out of control i've seen this happen i've seen it it happens but it seems like life is going along fine and suddenly it, it kind of all collapses it's like their walk with god blows up their um their friendships just fall away sometimes uh, their marriage and their family life breaks down their their world of work collapses and it's like well what happened to you uh, and, and the images that it's like chaff that the wind drives away where we start the influence that we look to does have a huge shaping impact on what we do and on the course of our life it's not something uh, to take lightly from such a small starting point the paths diverge significantly
And then the last couple of verses of the psalm talk about what the outcome of it all will be. So it says in verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now that's not a comfortable truth to talk about the judgment to come. Yet deep down, most of us have a sense that wrongs need to be put right, that justice needs to be done, and God is just. And the Bible tells us that uh, after Christ returns, there will be a day of judgment for all to give account for their deeds. And it says on that day, the wicked will not stand. And so there'll be an exclusion from the congregation of the righteous. This, this idea is developed elsewhere in scripture. It's called hell. It's a separation from God, from his blessing, from his goodness, from his presence. It's a place of punishment and judgment. It's, it's a heartbreaking truth. And the warning is stark. We don't want to take that influence that will lead us on that path. By contrast, um, for, for the others, verse 6 says that Lord knows the way of the righteous, the way the wicked will perish. The implication is for those who have taken the other influence, the righteous will stand on that day of judgment. The righteous will not be excluded, but will be a part of that glorious new creation hope that scripture talks about of a renewed earth, all things made right, no crying or tears or pain, evil cast away, death no more eternal joy with God at the center of it all. That's the, the promise. So the question that we need to ask as we consider this psalm is, okay, well, who is this person? Because at the start it says, blessed is the man who does this. We need to have a think, well, who is that? It's easy to read something like this and to apply it to ourselves. And we should apply it to ourselves. This is something that we should be aspiring to. But all of us, I think, in our heart of hearts would say, well, it's not me in the, in the fullness of what it's describing, maybe kind of in part, but, but certainly not uh, in the whole. In fact, there's only one who has fully lived out the teaching of this psalm. That's Jesus, Jesus Christ. He never walked in the counsel of the wicked or stood in the way of sinners or sat in the seat of scoffers. His delight was in the law of the Lord. He did meditate on it day and now, just think of him as the 12-year-old boy uh, in the temple. And, uh, you know, he, the family have gone on a trip to Jerusalem and they're going home and they can't find him. And where is he? He's there just lapping up the word of God. He's the perfect embodiment of this. Like the tree planted by the streams of water, yielding his fruit, the leaf not withering. And so Jesus, having never done anything wrong, can stand on that day of judgment. He is the one who's the perfect outworking of this psalm the perfect example of keeping what it's saying so what does that mean for, for us for you and for me well think again of that uh, that first day in a school and you're choosing what table you're going to sit at it, it's like there's a table kind of over there with Jesus sitting at it and he's beckoning you and he said come on come and sit with me come and sit at this table that I am at in his own words he said come to me all who labor and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Jesus having kept the psalm, and Jesus having earned the right to be uh, in this perfect new creation, and this life of blessedness, this uh, Eden-like paradise, described, he's earned it, and he's opening the door for you to join him in it. There's an invitation to come to him this morning. It means not sitting down at the table with the wicked, the sinners, and the scoffers. It means turning your back on that, 
and coming and sitting at the Jesus table and being invited into this life that the psalm describes, a life of following him. What I want to do this morning, just to end, is give you an opportunity to do that. If there's an invitation from Jesus, why not take it? Why not accept that this morning? So and the, the way I'd like to do that is just to, to say a, a quick prayer. And if that's a decision you'd like to make and an invitation you'd like to accept, why don't you echo this prayer after me? Let's pray. Jesus, I know that I've made some wrong choices. I know that I've listened to the wrong influences. And now I turn from that. Now I come to you to sit at your table and follow your way. Forgive my sins and all the mistakes of my past. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now I follow you. Amen. If that's something that you've chosen to do, this morning for the first time, I would encourage you to um, to drop Mike an email. Uh, he'll give the email address in a minute or two. And just let him know that's a choice that you've made. And uh, and he and some of the other pastors here at CCM Lady Barn can get in touch and can help you on that journey of following Jesus. And I'll hand back to you now, Mike.